0: Hello, welcome to For the Lore, this is Roger, coming to you uh, on Monday, the what the hell the date is. See, I didn't even plan for an intro. Vince <laughs> is not here and it threw me off. I'm just not ready for this shit. But that's all right. Vince, and Vince, uh, Vince is gone, like I said, and Joe and I are just going to two-man the show because he's got a little toothache. So, I mean, poor baby, you can't talk oh. too much.
1: Well, 2nd I'm going I'm to find a very tiny violin. Yeah.
0: Uh, he mm-hmm. might get a dollar it- or two from the Tooth Fairy. Oh, that's true. That would be awesome. So, anyways, this is going to be the two of us. We do have quite a few things on the docket, however, that we are going to be discussing. Some some things that Joe doesn't give a rat's ass about. But because I do, and I'm in charge (laughs) of the show notes, we're talking about it. And one of those things, of course, is going to be VR. CES 2016 was just last weekend. And as per the norm, you really don't get a ton in terms of games, but you do get a lot in terms of the tech. And because... This is the year of VR right now. It's no longer just the year of the hype. It is the actual year of the VR. We saw a lot more, and the companies are going into full swing. So we got some information for the Oculus as well as Sony's VR as well as the Vive. More so for the Vive than the others. Now, the Oculus did open up its pre-orders, and they made it really handy for a lot of us to cross it off our list of which one we're picking up (laughs) because surprise, surprise, 600 us for that son of a bitch. Now that's not your PC and that's only coming with an Xbox one controller. It's coming with Valkyrie and Lucky's tail, both justifiably decent games. And then the, the unit 600 us. Now, Other countries, some of them kind of getting a little screwed as well with the differences in terms of not just the exchange rates, but they're just point blank way different prices, higher. And like us here in Canada, the exchange rate being what it is right now, I would be paying $850 Canadian plus. Shipping and handling plus taxes plus a customs charge, which who the fuck knows how much that would be when it comes across. I I'm not paying close to a thousand bucks for a goddamn first generation Oculus Rift, and not just that. That's not the kicker. The kicker is I just bought a new video card for the computer on Boxing Day. I don't go do Boxing Day sales. Fuck that shit. I can't with my knees. But it was like, okay, I, we were really watching our money. And I needed something for this system. So I picked up a uh, 960. So it's not top of the line. It's not even the next generation down. But you know what? It works fantastic. The game's oh, great. That's what and I'm it's mean. good enough for me. Oculus won't run in a 960. Yep. So it's like, you know what? Okay, well, you kind of made it easy. And then I kind of found with a lot of the the stuff afterwards from Lucky. <laughs> that he was coming off a little too glib. And honestly, it was kind of a little off-putting, I found. And so, again, it's it's. I'm still interested in the device, certainly, and I would like to pick it up at some point, maybe once it's in its second or third generation. By then, I'll have gotten a much better system that can run it, and the price will have dropped down, because that's just the way it's going to go. But at this price, I mean... Like even if you were interested in it, would you have considered it for that price? Hell no! Like honestly, that that's
1: that's a exorbitant price to pay for just a for a piece of machinery. That that would be like back in the day when they expected you to just pay six hundred dollars for a virtual boy. Uh. Uh-uh. uh yeah. I mean, it was just like it, it's just. For, you don't know what the game support's going to be it's the first generation hardware which we always know is always buggy always has problems i I'd, I'd be hard pressed to name a first generation piece of hardware anywhere that's ever been without bugs on top of that if you don't have a compatible system you have to upgrade the system it's just you're you're sinking in at least $1000 at
0: this oh, point a lot more. Yeah.
1: Yeah, i'm saying at least and that's if like you're an early adopter and you got all those discounts and everything else is going on you're you're in it for thousand dollars minimum that's way too much to ask as far as I'm concerned and don't get me wrong I'm starting to come around to the idea of virtual reality in certain in certain aspects um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later as to certain things that are making me consider that but it's just where it is right now the technology is too new the games aren't exactly graduated enough from what we're seeing they're getting there I, I don't know about that I don't know
0: that I agree with to, you I'm, on that to my taste but again What I was going to say, too, is it depends on uh, which one of the VR units that you're talking about. When you're looking at the Oculus, let's be honest, how many games have we seen them talk about seriously for the Oculus? There's a lot more talk about the social aspect and the freaking Facebook stuff than there actually is in terms of games. I mean, Sony made a big deal of saying they've got over 200 devs working on VR and they're saying they're working on approximately a hundred games or more that are going to be coming out for the device.
1: And, and, but that uh, part of that, I'm sure also has to do with like
0: what Sony is
1: going to make cross compatible as well. Yes. Like games are going to be allowed for that, which is great. And I'm all for that. But like the Oculus, you made a perfect, a great point there, right? When we've heard about experiences, we haven't heard
0: shit about games. Yeah. So, I again, I like that as well I like the idea that it doesn't just have to be you with a gun shooting something and things like that that you can have more that is an interactive experience i I'm good with that, but you gotta look at what you're what's currently being worked on that is the, what, what are you gonna be using this very expensive device for for the months and even longer potentially until the game development does catch up because. In much the same way as we saw a lot less third-party support for all of the Nintendo consoles because they didn't think that they would be worth spending the money on development for such a small market. The same thing is going to happen here. So Sony has a leg up because of the fact that they have their own studios and they're investing so much just in games. Fuck the rest of it, games. So that leads the way. And then with the Vive, well, they're working with Valve. So yep. there's going to be a lot of stuff that is also going to be awesome with that. Now with the Vive we don't have price, same as with the the, the Sony VR. Of course, with the Sony VR they did say that they kind of hinted more at lower prices, more three, four hundred kind of essentially around the same price as the PS four. And that's the other thing too. You don't have to worry if your system's gonna be able to run it. You got a PS four, you're fine. Yep. So that's a big Like that's a big bonus. Like with the Vive, we still don't know either. We might not be able to run it on our nine sixties and that'd be too bad because I really, really like what we are seeing coming out of that. The only thing that concerns me, and it's actually a selling point for most people is the fact that it's a much more mobile unit so for most people, that's great. When you see people talking about it, they're really happy because of the fact that they're walking in that space. And they feel like that's a lot more true to life kind of thing. So they have that experience. that's much more real. Well, walking don't work for someone in my condition kind of thing. And I was talking on, on Twitter and Dan was saying the same thing. Ain't gonna help him in a wheelchair either. So I mean, there's all these things that I'm hoping that the sit-down experience will be just as rewarding, and that they're not putting all of their attention just in uh, uh, games and apps and such that require you to be mobile.
1: You know, and, and that's another interesting point because one of the things I was really jazzed about were the horror games uh, that potentially could come out for yeah. them. Like we we talked about uh, oh, a mobile no app game. <laughs> Yeah. And it, it like that uses your own house and mapping of your own house yeah. to like interact with like horrors and jump scares and stuff like that. And that's a really cool concept. But if you can't really be mobile around your house, that kind of ruins the effect. Right. Like, well, it's, yeah. You're not going to be you're not going to enjoy that because that experience is not crafted for you if you have mobility issues. And that is a concern in my household for for some of the people here. So, I mean that that's that's something we have to consider for selling as far as selling points go. That said, if there is an equal amount of solid experiences for people that maybe necessarily can't be as active, that'll be a good thing and i'm hoping i'm hoping that your sit-down experiences are going to be solid
0: well what they're saying too again is like they were demoing the elite dangerous vr edition which is being made strictly for this so it is solid and everybody that's played it has said the same thing that it's phenomenal and you are seated and you've got your controls on either side and you're good to go. So there are different things that are, are, are being done. Um I, like I luckily for me, I'm trying to look at it and for me it's it's actually it's something that worries me, but I'm trying to also look at it in more of a positive light and try to see it more as kind of what if I look at this as kind of a physio thing for me? Sure. If, if I can walk around in this space, which isn't very large, but hey, it'll keep me up. It'll keep me moving, and because I'm in this other experience, as is the same way with games, it's something that I've read a lot of, obviously, because of chronic pain, that games do relieve a, a tremendous amount uh, of of pain. So if I can be in this experience and be able to to not think about it. Uh, the pain kind of thing, then it, it would actually be a, a fairly good physio exercise for me. The The only problem is if a game requires me to crouch a shooting game, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy with the target on his forehead. That'll be me. <laughs> but they also demoed the, um, the I think it's a Verzoom or a Berzoom or whatever, the bike. I'd actually read this hey, before. Yeah. It's a stationary bike that's set up to run with the Vive. And as you pedal, you're, they they have demos where you are on a bike going around the world, and it kind of tilts as well, and it's got sensors in the pedals as well as the handlebars, and or it can pretend that it's either a horse or a something else that you're riding, kind of thing. Freaking awesome! And once again, I I do bike when I can for physio very slowly. My horse he ain't gonna go fast. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a jaunt. It'll be a little trot is what it's gonna be at best, but. If it can really take you out of that mindset, so you're not even there, you're not thinking about the pain, you're just doing it. To me, that's huge. That's, that'd be a, a, a reason to actually get the device. Which is also really cool. Um,
1: is also one of the things that is is starting to sell me a little bit on the VR is the the ability to possibly build your own experiences for that like the bike and the bike was kind of a big thing cuz one i miss cycling two i can't really cycle around here cuz the weather is shit 90% of the time uh but having something that i could set up here just for you know me being able to get back in shape which is kind of a big driving goal for me this year is you know that's that's a good selling point for me uh one of my coworkers is actually going through and specking out how to build an interactive throne so that he can play Uh, space sims fighter sims and stuff like that in a chair that will actually rock and vibrate (laughs) with the tilt of he he's literally like specking all this out figuring out the programming codes he needs to put in the hitch he was actually an oculus early uh early adopter it's kind of crazy and he's sitting there and he's showing me these specs and i'm just he's gonna if he finishes this he's gonna make a mint like, if he, can get them, if he can get them and produce them, he can sell some of these and just he can probably retire. Because, well, I mean, I can't tell you, like, the idea of sitting there and playing Elite Dangerous in a throne that actually rocks and bucks as I'm going through space. Yes, please sign me up.
0: You don't have to look any further than the racing chairs also. So if he can true. do something that has the rumble and, and the slight shift for a, a racing game as well, you're, you're set. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. They did demo the... Um, the the cry out, the the lonely whale experience where everybody was seated as well. And they all had their their things and it kind of moved a little bit and they got to do it. That was pretty awesome as well. Like there's a lot of different, different things being done with Vive, which is some of it is the game, obviously. And then like, you know, the portal and whatnot, which that alone is almost a reason to buy the thing. But they're also doing the things like the 3D paint program that Mm -hmm. you can just, paint whatever the hell you want and immerse because of the cameras as well, immerse yourself into the design and into the world kind of thing. And because of, again, that, that front facing camera and how it's going to work with you moving around the, the, the area and making sure you don't hit anything, of course, like there's a <laughs> lot of very, very cool things that, that we can expect to see with this. And there's a lot of people that are working with them to produce hardware now That is being made with this specifically in mind, so that's that's kind of awesome as well.
1: All I know is that I still am holding out for the day that I can play D anD D virtually with a digital table in front of me and my
0: friends sitting around it, even if they're a
1: thousand miles away. I want that.
0: There's no reason why you can't do that either. Exactly. That's the thing. Like it's, and I agree. That is. Really something that I am looking forward to at some point too, where you again, you, you you set up your virtual table and then everybody plugs in because they were showing some demos where it was more than one person in at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, not necessarily during this, but I remember seeing that And and it's only a matter of time where somebody, you know, sets that up and then you can either have you in that table or some custom avatar. You know, you want to be a freaking dragon at the table. Be a dragon at the table playing D and D, like all of these <laughs> things. It's it's really awesome. Case in point, too, they were showing the Audi uh, VR experience, which oh yeah. I mean, as someone who loves cars, that kind of let that and I went oh, that's pretty freaking awesome. But as someone who's looking at this as a a selling feature now for car developers, that once this becomes commonplace, you're looking to buy a car. Just go onto their site or download this thing, and you can check out everything about the cars without having to leave your home. Pretty goddamn I love that the guy, when he's looking at it and he was looking at the tires, his hand automatically went to lean on where the tire would be. That's how freaking real (laughs) it is to you when you're in that world. And the controllers for the Vive are my favorites among all of them. It's the, those controllers are incredibly intuitive and and that's what everybody was saying too. They, they are by far the best controllers for VR right now. So, and then the other one, which wasn't, um, VR, they're, they're making sure that people understand it's not VR is the glyph, which I've heard a little bit about. I've read a little bit more. Had you looked into this thing? No, not at all. Cool as shit cool as shit, but it, it's actually projecting the images kind of on your eyeballs and it's not made to be a, again, VR in any way, shape, or form. It's kind of even open because it's kind of like a Geordi LaForge visor over your eyes with headphones. And then yeah. you could just flip it up and just listen to music or flip it down and watch a show. And it's insanely clear by the sound of it. It looks gorgeous. And so if you are using it as Something to either as an alternative to a monitor, like so they were talking about people playing followed using this thing. Like anything that has a video out can plug into this thing, like HDMI or whatever kind of thing. And then you plug in and you so you can watch your movies or you can play your games using that. It was freaking awesome. But once again, 600 bucks US. I was like, yeah, fuck you guys. yeah, I was gonna say that. And oh, no, no, and it goes up too because after that it goes up to
1: 700. What the hell? Cool wow, this shit is expensive. <laughs> so, the and old, again, I get it. We're, we're at the first iteration of this technology, yeah. It will now, be it's going to get cheaper eventually. Just like, I mean, the Xbox One and the PlayStation were expensive
0: as all shit back in the day, too. So, uh, the other thing that really caught my attention there was a lot of other stuff there, but again, it's, it's more tech stuff. Not everybody's as interested in that, but it was that goddamn Star Wars PC case. Oh, model. god, yes, oh, my god the destroyer. And I didn't realize it was for a contest that, uh, MSI was putting on, but he was saying that it was like 400 hours of work. Grant quite a bit of that was the 3d printing as well. And once again, 3d printing is revolutionizing so many things right now, whereas mm-hmm. like this kind of stuff for PC modding used to involve a lot more work with crafting and stuff that we would have no experience or be able to do this now. As long as you can create it and figure a way to put it all together kind of thing in AutoCAD or whatever, you can do it. And we're seeing insane stuff. That freaking destroyer case was just batshit crazy. That was freaking awesome.
1: Dude, I, as somebody who used to build custom PC cases out of, like, aluminum and shit back in the day when I was in college, yeah, this is really cool to see how far it's gone because, like, we, I... It's a different set of skills, but this is
0: so cool. Definitely, definitely. Okay, let's move on to some games. The first one that I wanted to talk about is just, once again, I'm going to keep going back to this game as it keeps (laughs) getting better as it's coming out. It's freaking Hex. Again, if you're not playing this card game, people, go start playing it. You can start for free with a deck anyways in play. But as it's getting closer to quote-unquote release, which it's in beta now, you can do certain PvE things right now, although it's limited to the in the arena. But there's tournaments that you can do PvP and stuff like that. It's just, again, I'm playing it still all the bloody time, and they seem to have fixed the AI with the bosses things. So that big thing, big bonus there. But I still play it all the time. And now they're getting closer, and they're announcing how there's going to be, again, your your race and your class as well for your champion. And that's something that they talked about earlier, but now they're starting to release some of the information. So we're getting information like this one here, they were talking about the dwarf cleric and they were showing the skill tree that you can expect. And, your skills are can require anywhere from one to two points into them and things of like that. And you have things like, for the this one here, uh, enhanced blessings, which random troops with a co- the highest cost can get plus one plus one. Or there's the righteous pass path where you start off with a monument of faith in play, and then or another one where all your clerics in your deck get life drain. So there's all these really cool personalized things that will then work for, again, that champion in the deck. And that's, it adds a layer of depth that you don't necessarily get until you play the game. Now, I've played tons of TCGs and just like, whether it was actual cards or different things, digital TCGs, most people nowadays, their experience is very limited to uh, Hearthstone unless they come from the old Magic the Gathering line. Now, Hearthstone has kind of spoiled a lot of people just because it's so simple to play. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's sometimes that's
1: good. We we, we like Hearthstone. Let's make that clear for anybody yeah. who's oh, just yeah, yeah. Doing that. hell,
0: we still play. Hearthstone is still a very good game for what it is, but it does not offer nearly the complexity that you get in other digital card games. And I'm not just talking about Magic the Gathering. There's a slew of them out there. Research it and try some just for fun. It is worth doing. Now, if you come from the background where you played Magic the Gathering, you'll definitely understand a lot of what Hex is and appreciate it. And the reason I say you'll also appreciate it is because it actually has more depth than Magic the Gathering. And, and it allows you to have so much more fun with building decks that you can try different strategies with and whatnot. And you're not going to come across the same one very often because you can, again, there's so many choices. So by also now announcing this, where you've got not just your, your, your race, but now also the class and the, both of them, how they work together. So if you have, dwarf clerics specifically you also have exclusive powers to that where you get uh you start with a blessing rod in play which you gain a charge right away and then you also get they call it the bulwark guild membership where at the start of each dungeon boss encounter you create a turreted wall and put it into play and that's a zero five, 5 and it has an ability as well but anyways just to show that there's a lot of different things that you can do already as it is and now they're ramping that up to give you even more i, I complexity is the right and wrong term here because it could scare some people off and they will think uh, I don't want that I would say identity completely. I think identity That makes over, a lot more sense. Over. That does. That does. Yeah. And again, I I I have looked into what some of the quote unquote winning decks are and say, okay, I'll try some of that, but I always tinker with it and put cards that I have that I think would be better. Like my favorite deck right now is maybe 75%. What I saw was a good deck and then just ran with decks that are cards that I have. But then a lot of the, the decks that I make and I have a number of them is just, okay, I have this awesome card and I need to make a deck just around this because I want to play this card as often as possible. And it's about finding ways of getting to that card or finding ways of working with it once you get in any number of things. And it's so much fun. And so all of this, the additions uh, of all of the the perks that you can get makes it that much cooler. I mean, Jesus, the the freaking, um, is it the dwarf? Yeah, the dwarf skill you unlock at level 15, the master artificer. At the start of each game, you create a random artifact in your hand. Plus, mm-hmm. you get a max hand size plus one. It's like holy fuck! <laughs> so, there's a lot of really cool things about this. If you are not playing the game, I highly suggest you check it out. Yeah, it's one of the things that
1: sold me on this game way back when was the idea of having, for lack of a better term, MMO characters that were that you were that you created that went into this world and everything you did interacted with this world through a deck of cards and they're really making good on that promise and it, like not only are the cards gorgeous not only is the the gameplay solid the mechanics are relatively intuitive and i and i, and I can stress that like as complex as we can make the sound sometimes actually getting started in the game and getting your bearings is pretty oh, yeah. easy they're- so like – and and the concepts of it, of building up your keep and going out on adventures and dungeon runs and arenas and bo- and battling bosses, all in the confines of a, bu- a deck-building game is phenomenal. And this game has just – since the alpha and, and Roger and I have been – we backed this game. I believe Vince did too when it was still a yeah. Kickstarter. We've been there. We've been in there. Roger more than me. But even the time that I've gotten in there, it's just – you could tell that they – the developers really love what they're doing and they're putting out a good product. It's worth trying. It absolutely is. At least keep it on your radar. If you if you're tangentially related, like in, if you, any of your interests cross whatsoever in near cards or deck building
0: games, put this on your, put this on your list of, I got to try it. Well, again, you could try it for free and you yeah. get a deck. It's free to try. To try. So you get your first deck, which I, you have a choice of what three decks or maybe even more to choose from when you make your your thing and and even those justifiably are a lot of fun. Like when you're playing the Shin Hair, which is the rabbits, the hoppers deck, even the one that they give you is a ton of. I've played and I, I again because I've gotten other cards which you can either buy or you can win them in any number of things. The uh, I've played with Shin Hair decks, and as much as I like my other one that wins more often. The Shin Heroin is just so much fun because you get those, oh, my freaking Lord moments of, I can't believe that actually happened. And before you know it, your side of the table is full of fucking rabbits. (laughs) And every time another one comes up, it's increasing the, the, whether it's attack or defense on all of the others or... They work together so well, and they they all they multiply like rabbits, and it's just again a ton of fun. Okay, let's move on from there. Talking about MMOs, we did get <laughs> some various that was very well done of you. The uh, we got some more news about Swotors' next chapter for the Knights of the Fallen Empire. So we've been waiting for this for a while now. Because, yes, we got the first nine chapters in October, however, they weren't that that long; they were if you kind of spaced them out, but most of us just could not wait to get through it, also we ripped through it. Well, the next chapter is going to be coming out. February eleventh, or if you're sub February 9th, because you get it a little early, and that's going to be Chapter ten, and that sees you with a new ally, ally that is nicknamed Firebrand, and of course we know her as Callio, and she's the first companion you get for the Imperial agent. So if you weren't um, if you weren't playing the uh, the the game beforehand, or if you're not playing now, kind of thing, you might not have known. You you, you basically you lose all your companions, and then you're slowly going to be getting them over time. So you kind of bump into various companions that you've had, or that other players or other classes, I should say, have had, and then you work with them. So this is going to have you working with Calio, which is friggin' awesome. I wish. My Imperial agent was high enough level. I'm going to have to work at getting him up next just to see what's going to happen with this, what the interaction is between the two of them when you meet her later on. Because it's gonna, it's bound to be different than what it would be if she's not your companion. And because, and I'm hoping, because she is also a love interest for the Imperial agent, if you want her to be, and my guy did, I'm really curious what that interaction is going to be when you finally see her again later on. So, and then her mission basically is to destroy the Eternal Empire by attacking Zakuul, and I'm quoting here, and crushing the seat of power, the Eternal Throne, by any means necessary. (laughs) So, yeah, they're a little heavy-handed in their wordplay there. Same as the players, what is it? Uh, Players will experience the grim consequences of their past decisions and feel the grip of the hand of fate on their dangerous journey. I think they need new writers, let's be honest. But uh, but they are they have said this before, and they're reinforcing that idea as well, wherein the choices that you have been making throughout all of these chapters are going to start catching up to you. And that's good, because so far they really haven't. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to mean going forward. And then the other thing that they're doing, of course, is they're giving us rewards every month as well. They did announce the next one is going to be a fancy jetpack that's going to allow you to hover i'm assuming it's going to be very much like the boots that we already have that are basically like rocket boots and wow i would hope for more because what i and it's funny because i was literally uh i was talking to i joined a new guild and it's on another server and it's just for uh, imperial characters, so I started a fresh one there. And they're actually active guild. Hell, I log in and there's like eight, nine, sometimes twelve people. I was like, what the hell? I've never, I've gone on servers that have <laughs> less people, but uh, and they're super freaking nice. And I was saying just the other day, it might have been yesterday, how the game desperately needs a mechanic like a, a glider in WoW, so that when you fall <laughs> off a cliff, you can just you have something to save your ass, because. There's not a lot of ability, I don't know of any ability, that will actually prevent fall jetpack. damage, like a, a bubble or a, a leap for other classes and WoW. So if this jetpack can do that, that's worth it, all of the money that we're pumping into this. Last time I played, I mean, that's the same thing that the bounty hunter
1: backpack you could do. If, like, you just had to time it so that right before you hit the ground, you could pop it, it would pop you up a couple extra, like... I don't think it does now because I think
0: you need to to target
1: somebody, but I'm not sure. No, no, you can just pop right up and the, like the, there's two parts to it, right? The there's two abilities. There's one that is a, like a pop up and shoot a missile, and then there's another one that just pops up and lets you elevate yourself for like 10 seconds or something like that. I remember this because it was one of the coolest goddamn things I have done in that game. What? Was my fat bounty hunter
0: launched himself in the air like ah? So the death from above is the one where you go up and shoot. Yes, I didn't is, try this. that. I'll have to try that to see if you'd have to time that son of a bitch perfect, and it might not work if you're Absolutely. moving either.
1: So, maybe, maybe not. But fun. I mean, hey, I'm just I, saying it's
0: worth. Anyways, if this jetpack solves that problem, I will be a very happy boy. Because that's the other thing with this too is that it very much is a carrot on the end of the stick because they're trying to keep you subbed every month by offering you additional rewards every single month. And on top of that, if you remain uh, subbed for the duration up until the final chapter, then they'll give you a bonus chapter where you play as HK, which sounds great, certainly. However, that's a bloody long time. We're talking to August here to remain sub to the game otherwise luckily I'm still having fun and I play the alts and things like that. And now that I found this other guild as well, tons of fun. So it is cool, but it is already something that I'm looking at because of the cost. And we were talking about that because of, of DCU. Oh, having their, their fifth anniversary and the different stuff that they're doing, Wherein, in come August. If there's not enough reason to stay, I might just cancel that sub and move on to DC universe online instead. Yeah, it's a long time to to try
1: to stay subbed for something for like that gap of content, and it seems like Sotor has definitely become one of those games where, like Lotro like Lord of the Rings Online in that way, where it's like you you sub, you get your content, you finish the content. If there's nothing else to do, you just cancel your sub, wait for the next thing, and then just do it again. Yeah. It's it seems like it's really and not that that's a bad thing. That's that works for some games, and it seems to
0: be working for them. So. Well, the thing is, is that the, the the content that they are putting out is far more single player driven and in my opinion is spectacular. The story is fucking amazing and I love it. But once I'm done that and I'm done dinking around on alts. I I don't raid. I'm not doing all these other things. And the PVP, while sometimes fun, is not enough to keep me paying as much as I, I am for the game. The Granted, I, I need to get back into the flying stuff as well, because I did justifiably enjoy that when I was doing it as well. So, again, we'll see. And we will be touching on DCU in a little bit, but not quite yet. Because in terms of spacefaring fun, there was a couple of things that were quite interesting, too, that you were going to talk about.
1: Yeah. So one of them is actually something that's a little bit old. It's actually well, that's not a little bit old. It's 11 years old as of now. Uh, the event actually occurred in 2005. And some folks will remember this. Uh, it was one of the largest Eve heists that has ever been done. It resulted in the loss of what was the tune of sixteen thousand five hundred dollars worth of ISK and valuables as far as in-game ships. It was a 10-month-long con job that resulted in the destruction of one of the largest and rarest ships in the entire game. And for those of you that don't know, EVE is a game that's been around for a while, and it's a fun game, and one that I've I've actually played quite a bit of, uh, as well as uh, made a bunch of money off of, thank you, Russians and goons. Uh, It's a great game, but it's mainly done by player driven content. There's not a whole there's not a whole lot of things to do aside from go build things, go get more ships, go trade stuff, or go blow the shit up out of each other. And, and that's lost. fine.
0: And get lost. Oh yeah. I, lost. I did that with, with <laughs> pizzazz. I had that covered.
1: But but that's one of the things is like any of the stories that we hear from it come out like these giant heists or these giant battles uh that have crashed the shards. Uh it's 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 an interesting thing. It's a good game. It's a fun game, but we mostly get the, the war of it. It's also one of the, the few games that has dev supported pirates, like players became pirates and the devs are like, this is a great idea. Let's go for it. On the other side of that coin, we go from like this, these, these schemes, these very, very like corporate money driven schemes. And then we can look at elite dangerous, which is one of those games that I know some folks have been having a, a good time with, but this is kind of cool. Star Trek was one of those things that when I was growing up was cool, not just because of like the, the stories and the things that happened there, but for the exploration, finding new planets, finding new life, charting things that are out there. And here we have a story about a group of people who are literally doing exactly that in Elite Dangerous. Uh, the Voyages of the 500, Elite Dangerous. A 12-week mission to explore strange new worlds, to expand the Galactic Mapping Project, to boldly boldly go where one man has bothered going before. As of January 14th, a large group of players are going to leave the main system and start stopping at every single planet and charting everything. Literally charting everything. That's a massive undertaking. That's impressive in and of itself, but I like how much of a player support has has started coming behind this movement, right? Like all these players are starting to get on board and like starting to dive in. I'm like, yeah, we want to join this exploration mission. We want to help. We want to do this. That's really cool to me because that's something that I think space games need a little bit more of is that sense of exploration and wonder. And the fact that Elite Dangerous lets you do that, that's that's some no man's sky level shit right there man.
0: Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Again, I I was looking for it in terms of the, the the differences between the two games and this idea of just not it's not about going and blowing everybody else, let's just map the universe. And that's bloody freaking awesome. So yeah, I I think that's awesome. I I finally finished Fallout 4, which kind of consumed well, at least 104 <laughs> hours. And so now that that's done, I, I can move on because I actually got my joystick. So I want to I really dive into Elite Dangerous and, and, and see because that kind of thing I absolutely love. So very, very cool. And then we got some news on Dying Light as well with the expansion that's going to be coming out. And Dying Light is actually a game that I've been wanting to play for, well, since it came out. And I hadn't yet picked it out. When it was on sale during the holidays, oh, I was like, this close, this is <laughs> close. I was going to pick it up, and I said, no, I'm watching Money, so no, and I didn't get it. And now it's like, oh, fuck, I should have just gotten it. So I'm just going to wait until the next good sale and pick it up. But, man, the stuff that they're talking about for this is just, like, I'd seen some stuff, and it looked interesting. But when we watched the the the, the playthrough where they were talking about a lot of the stuff coming in, I was like, oh, yeah, no, this this looks like... I, I need this in my life. And also completely off topic, when the apocalypse happens, first thing I'm picking up is a goddamn rock climbing pick. I never thought I would before, but after playing Tomb Raider and now seeing this, it's pretty much mandatory.
1: Well, and that, that's one of the things that like drew me to dying Light in the first place is the original game was the free running aspect of it. Not that it was a survival horror game, but like... It was focused on a story it was focused on not just your own survival, but survival of other people and your decisions influencing that survival and advancing the story as a result of it. Uh, and I'm not going to ruin anything because I know a lot of people just picked this game up because of the holiday sale, um, which is a shame that it took that long for some folks to pick it up, myself included. Um, but the story is actually really compelling and there's a very large human element to it. Now we get. To what they, the, the following, the, the expansion for it, and it released with, first of all, a story trailer. There is a lot of focus on the story, and this takes place post the events of the first game. This is a continuation, and it's, you're trying to find, uh, for lack of a better term, a cure or something that will help inoculate the people against this zombie plague that is that has been in not really contained so well. Uh, there's, you catch wind of a group of people, uh, that are worshiping a sun god and the chosen of the sun god, the daughter of the sun god, and are supposedly immune to the pathogen that's out there. And your job is to go and find them, earn their trust and figure out what the hell is going on. That's a cool concept. It's also very tomb raidery in the fact that it's a cult of people worshiping the sun god and, you know, weird stuff happens, quote unquote. But what got me about it The visuals, the scope of the land, it's larger as far as like land wise than the original game, which is insane. It's mostly open world. So it's a lot of like open fields, not a dense urban population or dense urban setting like the first game. And that is so cool. Uh, They're talking about the addition of vehicles, in particular, dune buggy style things uh, to help traverse the vast gaps and a little bit more focus on. Uh, combat because there's not a whole lot of places to hide and run, so you have to be able to fight a little bit better. But they're advancing the narrative of the game, which is really cool to see because that's something we see a lot of games not doing. They'll they'll release these DLCs, they'll release these expansions, and it won't actually advance the story or the narrative at all. Yep, you're playing the same character. This is the next chapter of the journey. There's a whole other slew of things to discover and learn about here, and. As you go through, and this is the thing that sold me on it, as you go through and earn their th- earn the trust of the, the following, the, the people that worship the sun, you unlock more story elements, you unlock more secrets, and you get deeper and deeper into what is honestly probably one of the most fun games I've played th- that this year so far. Like, this is up there with Fallout for me as far as, like, just cool factor. I'm, I'm sold,
0: 100%. I like the introduction of trust as kind of a, a faction rep to build up. And so the way that they were talking is that it is very much open world and there are quests everywhere, different things that you can do, but there there's no linear path to what you want to do. The ultimate goal is to yeah, it's organic, do yeah. as much as you want in different areas and boost up your trust that way kind of thing. So it allows you to, if in a day you feel like just going and running over zombies in your buggy, Go to town. If in a day you feel like helping settlers or different things in different areas, there you go. You want to go take out bandits that are at the farm? Do that. So I like the way that it's organically allowing you to do whatever it is that you want, but ultimately still be earning towards something that you can use with that trust kind of thing, so I, I really kind of like that. And then the, the the buggy they were saying too, how it's going to be customizable. very customizable, so you can do a lot to it. I like that it's going to be quote unquote pretty fast <laughs> because they can't give a specific <laughs> thing, but you're going to be able to do a lot of things still to it. And when I was looking at the gameplay for it with the buggy, it looked it looked pretty slick. It looked very cool, especially with the jumps it looked very burnout paradise at points kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, like when he took that one freaking jump and you see the masses of zombies underneath you and it's like, yeah, that was straight out of burnout. And I am all right with that. That was bloody awesome.
1: (laughs) One of the other cool things that I like about this, uh, this too is the potential for uh, Easter eggs. The original game is riddled with them and they took like a campy tongue in cheek approach to a lot of stuff. Like, I found Excalibur in Dying Light, like literally a sword from a stone. And it, I was able to hit something seven times before it broke. Very, very funny, very, very hilarious things like that. Uh, So I'm waiting to see what they make calls to. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some walking dead references in here. You're in farmlands. It's going to happen. I'm sure. But like, I can't wait to see what they pull there. And I, I, this, this entire dev team has definitely sold me on what they produce in the future. Just based off of what I've already played, and from what I'm seeing here from them, like, yeah, we just want to keep giving you a great experience, and we really want to give you a good story and characterization sold.
0: I love how they say though, if you have the season pass, you get this you'll you'll have this we're giving it to you for free, I was like, yeah, I don't think you people understand how a season a paid season pass works <laughs> you're not giving it to us for free, we paid for the season pass.
1: For something that's as large
0: as the game itself, the original game. Oh, I understand. Yeah, but it's not being given given good value. (laughs) Anyways, it looked awesome. Moving on from there, though, something else that looked awesome was Perception. This was actually really cool. (laughs) Oh my god!
1: This this is what made me really start considering VR. Oh yeah, this in VR would be spectacular. So you play as a a blind character. Uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but you're a a blind female character who is invited to this mansion. And as you go through the mansion, you have to discover what happened. But you're blind, right? So how do you see what's going on? You're actually using a form of echolocation. And it is a horror game. It is a survival horror game that also hurdles you back and forward through time as you discover the roots of this house. And I don't know if you like in the video, it's only it's a six minute video, but there are already tiny little things from that that you can see if you're paying attention, the echolocation that pop up and disappear and pop up and disappear. Like like the house is watching you and learning from you. And it starts with a modern twist. You have a cell phone, you have your version of Siri uh, so that you can actually like try to talk to it and figure out what's going on. But the art style, the mechanic of having to tap and get stuff to actually resonate back to you uh, is amazing. The idea that you have to uh, react to the not only the sounds that are happening everywhere, but those sounds are going to have repercussions as far as how it interacts with your echolocation and what those sounds tell you. And that is such a cool concept for a survival horror game that it's to me, that's absolutely amazing. And the art style is phenomenal. It's like this. Very, it's a subdued color palette, almost uh, mostly blues and greens, unless you injure yourself or do something you're not supposed to. And then you get to orange and reds. But it's basic light in and shading and very soft color overtones. And I thought that was so cool. First of all, I like the fact that you're playing as a female character. Second of all, I like the fact that you're playing as a blind character. Uh, so props to them for that. And the idea that this is going to have an immersive story that is going to be revealed to you in a very unique way. Cause you can't just read a book. You really just, you can't just like watch a TV. You can't just interact with an NPC. This is all going to be organic discovery as you make your way through it. And that was damn cool.
0: One of the coolest things, all of those obviously very cool. But the thing that I really loved as well, and they, they made sure to mention is you're not some, you know, six foot two burly white dude with a gun. Because so many of these games rely on the shooter mentality. And this is something that allows you to have a really in-depth, scary-as-shit experience that is still a ton of fun. And like you said, of course, you know me well enough not to know when a game is like this. Yeah, first thought in my mind is this in VR would be insane because as you're watching them play too like she's kind of tapping at points and that's when she is seeing quote unquote Mm -hmm. those areas but as noise occurs in the house it creates an echolocation in those spots differently than your own as well so as she walked over one floorboard it creaked and it created that echolocation there as well and you're going holy crap that really makes it So much more immersive. Something that simple ties you, the character, and you, the person, into that world now. So as she was going, and yeah, there's a few things that some pop up, but some, like that little fucking doll, is just like creepy as shit, but so well done. It's not a little Chucky thing coming after you. It's just unsettling, and that's what makes it frightening because... Again, it's it's a horror game, it's very dark. It uses a an odd color palette, but not just the color palette, but the way in which the assets are actually displayed isn't always exactly right. And then you have the fact that there's the back and forth in time as well. There's so many things to keep you off balance as it is. So whenever something kind of, whether it's a pop-up or something or a noise from the house, I'm thinking again, you play this with headphones on at night. will fuck you. You better have some depends on your chair. Oh yeah. Because it literally was just watching the video. Like, Holy crap. That would scare the shit out of me at midnight. Well, and this is
1: one of the things that like, I've been griping about this in video games for a very, very long time. And horror games in particular is the misuse of audio engineering and audio cues mm-hmm. and how you should be like they, they miss opportunities, right? Like they miss opportunities to use it effectively and use it properly. And here, this is a game all about sound, essentially. This is a game all about like your interaction with an environment through your, your touch and through like just audio cues. That's ridiculously cool to me because the amount of attention that they have to put into that, not just in an environment, not just in making pretty textures like that's gone. You don't have to make pretty textures. The amount of attention that they have to put into the fact that you're interacting based with these senses alone is
0: phenomenal. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Very, very cool. Okay, let's move on. I I hope people don't have plans for like Friday and Saturday and potentially Sunday as well because the new season, the next season of Diablo (laughs) is starting up. And I know that a lot of people, not just myself, towards the tail end of whatever season is currently going, which in this case, four just wrapped up not that long ago, you don't even bother playing anymore because you've either unlocked everything that you were going to or there's not enough time to get to where you wanted to be, I unlocked high enough that it was like, okay, I definitely can't do the next levels, so I'm happy we're, with where I was, and I stopped mid December. But I've been like itching to play. I just haven't bothered because there's no point. But season five is starting up. <laughs> starting <laughs> up on Friday night, and I am really looking forward to it. They're actually doing a lot of cool stuff with this season. It, it is going to be a lot of fun.
1: One of the coolest things for me was the, uh, the rebirth option. Uh, not only are we getting new cosmetic rewards, we're getting a new pet that looks suspiciously like Groot. Um, he's awesome. <laughs> he is definitely awesome. And I will get him. He's called the wicker man, but he's Groot. He's Groot. He's totally Groot. Uh, the season rebirth is actually cool. Cause this actually answers one of my problems that I was having going into the season is I am out of character slots. What the hell do I do? So I have to delete something. Nope. Nope. You don't have to delete your characters anymore. Up to three times in a season, you can take a character and you can actually rebirth them, a non-seasonal character, into a seasonal character where that character literally just turns into a level one and you can start all over again. All of your items that were on that character will just get mailed back to your non-seasonal character so you don't lose anything. But if you're like me and you're out of space, out of character slots. That's fantastic news because I hate deleting shit and then worrying about did I get everything off the character? Did I make sure that I didn't have, lose anything? That's cool. I think that's really really nifty. Um, the dungeon challenges are getting updated as well, so that you can actually go through set dungeons. Yeah. Uh, the new I think they're called conquests, uh, where you there's actually new achievements for them, and there's uh, stuff that you can do where. You can solo raids and solo uh, hardcore dungeons and stuff like that that will give you bonuses for not using a single set item. Uh, there's just so many cool things, so many incentives going do. on. The
0: new zones are, are look pretty slick. And yes. that's something that, again, because they need to continue to add zones. I understand that it's a lot of work, but because of the type of game that this is, that's one of the ways to keep people invested in the game and want to keep coming back as well. Cause again, a lot of people aren't bothering now with regular characters. It's all seasonal stuff now. And so you want them coming back for the season and you definitely want to keep them for as long as possible during that season. And it does get kind of tedious after a while when you're doing the same zones over and over and over again. So that's huge. And I'm really, am looking forward to that. Oh, absolutely. And anytime I have something new to explore, I'm good. Yeah. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about is today is the fifth anniversary of DC Universe Online. And so there was a stream up on Kind of Funny Games because uh, Greg Miller is a huge DCUO fan. And he's actually going to be voicing Superboy now, which I had no clue that was going on. So that a major prop stamp. That's awesome. And they were talking about a lot of the stuff that's coming out for this game. Now, if you have not been playing this game, you, like you, there's a lot of people that aren't playing the game right now. Of course, there are also a lot of people that do play it, but a lot of us played it when it came out, and then mm-hmm. once we got to max level and there was nothing to do but raid, as is the case with many MMOs, we kind of stopped. When DCUO came out originally, it wasn't it wasn't as user-friendly with what you can do with your time afterwards, after you'd reach max level, not taking into account alts. Because, I mean, they were using alt as a selling feature for the game, for your time, not content. So that kind of put a lot of people off, in my opinion, justifiably. And that's another reason why a lot of us stopped playing once we reached that level cap kind of thing. But it's still a damn good game. Now, since then, though and not just since it came out on the PS4, but since then they've put out a ton of content. They're talking about on this stream, they were talking about episode 21 and episode 20 is going to be coming out this month. It's going to be coming out on the sixth for members and for non-members on the 13th. And that's finishing off the blackest night saga. Now blackest night was one of the biggest events to happen in recent times in the d c universe with all the lanterns and and everybody else, and it was spec spectacular it was actually the first event that i read on my ipad after coming back after 25 years of not reading comic books that got me back into comic books so hardcore that we went on and we started doing the comic book informer podcast that was the event that i read and was like oh my god this is insane how good this is actually i think i started reading it potentially after i'm not sure but anyways just to say it was right around that time when i started back and it was insane so I haven't played that yet because, again, I haven't been playing the game. But I am, we were talking about that before the show, seriously thinking that once they're done with the SWOTOR content come August, I may let that sub lapse and start playing DCU online again. Just because, again, I was looking over all of these episodes, they're all different events and different things that have gone on in the DC universe. And a lot of them have justifiably been a lot of fun, or even if they were not necessarily handled that well in the comics, when you look at the concept of the event, that can be translated into events in a game that are more fun. And now with the success of the TV shows, they're going out of their way to implement some of that stuff in here. So case in point with episode 21, they're talking about how they're going to be doing a lot of legends of tomorrow stuff. So we're going to be seeing oh, Hawkman and Hawkman and the Atom. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. And they, they showed off some of the, the duo and there's going to be a raid also that is very much inspired f- by legends of tomorrow. And again, very very cool stuff and ever since they switched over to daybreak they're working even more closely apparently now with dc so they're getting a lot more help and back and forth for the different things that they they're doing in the game so like again props to them for what is not just like in there now But what is going to be put in? There's going to be a lot more stuff, Kryptonian stuff, storylines with Superman and Supergirl again because of the success of Supergirl right now and Superboy. They're going to be going into the Phantom Zone. There's going to be also Lex Luthor's Science Spire. That's you're going to be able to go in. There's going to be raids and duos and stuff that you can do in there, where there's a lot of experiments that are done. They're they're going to be going into another Brainiac ship, and initially when they said that, I went, oh god, more Brainiac stuff. And then they said that's the ship that has the bottle Kandar in it, Supergirl's nice. home. So you're going to be able to do a raid in the city of Kandar, and I was like, okay, like that's who cannot say that's not cool. <laughs> like that's freaking awesome. And um, they're going to be finishing off the Amazon Fury storyline that's been going on. There's going to be even more Harley Quinn because, of course, Suicide Squad movie. So there's going to be more Harley Quinn and quote unquote some of her friends. We're going to be seeing the return of Black Adam, which the Black Adam stuff in that game was fucking awesome. ton of fun. They're putting in a new power set. They're putting in water powers. So you're going to be able to have, like there's going to be a tide calling tree as well as a hydrokinetics tree where you can do constructs kind of like a ring for a green lantern. Ton, ton of stuff that is either in or coming soon. Not the least of which being that we're going to be seeing an Xbox one finally version that's going to be put in and they're going to be making PC and PS4 work together cross play, you're gonna be able to do it. Plus there's gonna be some dark side stuff coming in with a raid and the way they were talking, a very, very difficult raid, one of the most difficult. So I won't do it, but for anybody who does raiding, more power to you. So again what they what we saw and what they were talking about as well, be it the putting in a fourth color palette for accents for they're going to be doing uh, expanding the auras and accessory slots and things like that. Your gear is going to be available on alts as well, as well as style and locks are going to be on your alts as well. So you find something cool on one character. You don't have to think, Oh fuck. I really needed that for this other, There's going to be a lot of fixes as well, be it to PvP. There's going to be some league recruitment tools that they're talking about. And ways, they didn't go into detail this. This is the big announcement that they're holding close to the chest, where they're going to be finding ways to expand your character progression beyond just a gear progression thing. And that's huge for me, because that was one of the things that also put me off of the game, was that there was literally nothing to do at the time once you finished everything, other than get better gear. And I mean, that's a very well thing, but even while had other things you can do, this was very much gear driven. So giving the players more to do than just that, it's pretty goddamn awesome. Like there's there again, there's been enough happening in this that I, I already, it's not, if it was, if money was no option, I'd already be doing it, but I'm just going to put it off. But I'm looking forward to diving back in, be it with my existing characters or with fresh ones. And actually going through all of those episodes to take part in those events because it's bloody freaking awesome.
1: Oh, I'm not going. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, these, this discussion has forced me to reinstall the I'm <laughs> it right now. Actually,
0: I again, I'm. I've got it installed on my iMac and bootcamp, but I'm going to install it now that I've got my PC in the library here with me. I'm going to be installing it on there, and I'm going to do the, the free stuff for the time being because if you are, if you don't have a sub, then you're paying five bucks per episode, which when there's 20 of them with the 21st coming out in February that's way too much money in my opinion but if you're subbed then it's it's free and you could just play it so i'm just going to hold off and sub later on and that way too you get a lot more inventory st- stash space and and all that jazz but yeah it's there has been enough going on in the game to make it worthwhile and for those who are curious as well like i i played it on the pc originally and i loved it on the pc like we were talking about pre-show it's very heavy-handed in terms of controller and you could see it was a console port very heavy-handed but that's fine it still worked good enough for me but the ps4 port is rock solid and works so bloody well the only downside is of course the chatting with people which in an mmo that's not necessarily a bad thing (laughs) if there's less people talking but uh but yeah, either way, it's going to be something that I'm going to set up an Xbox One account once it comes out, even though I won't have access to everything just to play the free one, just because, again, it'll, it'll be fun to play on another console as well. So that is going to wrap up the episode for this week. Thanks for joining us live. You can find us live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at ForTheLore.com slash live. And of course, you can go to ForTheLore and check out the show notes and leave us some thoughts and comments. You can also find us on iTunes or Stitcher, and you can find us on Twitter at for the lore, or individually you can find Joe at LorderZJ, at Vince, who is not here, the big baby, at Simodian, or myself at Zen Buddhist. And with that, we will see you guys next week.
1: There's
0: a damn tablet. <laughs>
1: hey, it's perfectly acceptable, man. I say robe it all the time. It's
0: okay. It's a tablet. It's, see, it's different with DC than with. Oh shit, we shouldn't be discussing this yet. Let's just, <laughs> let's hold this off. Because oh, I have damn good week. points and you had a couple of good points. Let's just wait. Yeah.
1: Um, we, we do this every friggin' week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you sound
1: like you're feeling much better, so you got to make up for some lost time, man.
0: I am actually not sick. God damn. Holy shit! Not sick and two glasses look of look wine, you! So yeah. Plus the pain from the last few days is from slipping on the stairs is gone so i'm just at my regular pain level and not the oh my god i wrenched my knees so all things considered not too bad
1: i was gonna say as somebody who lives with somebody with like constant chronic pain congratulations on getting back to your normal
0: Normal levels of pain yeah it's trust me it makes a big difference (laughs) (laughs) i'm not (laughs) joking (laughs) Okay, but you were stopped
1: on your side, not on ours, right? I was stopped on our side yeah. coming back from Canada. <laughs> literally, they're like,
0: pull over. I'm like, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> our guys probably would have been, <laughs> bye-bye. Did you remember to pack your maple syrup? <laughs> Dude, I, I was great. said I was like, I was, I
1: literally, I, like, I, tra- I went to the, the, custom, the, custom, uh, the border agent. I was just like, look at me. I'm short and fat and nerdy. I'm not going to fucking be the guy that runs guns. I just want to go home.
0: And why would you be renting them to Canada? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm like, why am I going
1: to take them to Canada? Did you have, like, a boost gang problem or something that I'm trying to capitalize on? Uh, uh. But, yeah, because I didn't have the enhanced ID, they couldn't tag me so that I didn't get flagged again coming back over. So if I come, if I try to, I can go over to Canada fine, but then I can't come back home. <laughs> you Which, I mean, is not that bad of a thing, but I want to keep my dogs, so...
0: Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.